Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Well, I was born with a penis, but I don't know that that actually affects who I am, but I know some people want to call me him and he, and other people want to call me she when they see me dressed all snazzy and hot and seductively and then there's those that are like but you just need to be a they you just need to be a they you need to be a they them if this confuses you i'm inviting you to step into life uncloseted today because it's a really amazing conversation that we're starting to have more and more about because not everybody fits into the little boxes that we humans think that everybody should fit into. And as somebody in the LGBTQ community, if you are struggling with our brothers, sisters, they, thems that are saying, I am gender fluid and I'm gender non-conforming and I'm non-binary, then you bitches really need to listen up because they're struggling just like we did. And we haven't even talked about their sexual orientation, which really is nobody's freaking business anyway. But it's always going to be part of the conversation. That's what we're covering today on Life Uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, and I'm so excited to be talking about this once again. I was telling our guests right before we came on that, hey, I haven't done a lot of this, but I'm getting there, and I'm glad we're having these conversations, and I'm really glad they decided to join us, and their name is Kat Lamar, and I'm so glad you're here, Kat. Thank you. I am too. I'm really excited to dive into this because I don't think we're having enough of these conversations right now. And so, of course, the first thing that people are going to do, because I know humans, they're such creatures of habit. They're going to have just heard your brief little voice and they're going to go, oh, but it's a guy. Yep, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Right now I have I have some facial hair. I, I, I'm very bald on the top of my head. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, And they are very handsome in their own oh. way, so... Just going to go there and just say that right (laughs) out the gate. So, but that's probably something that's always a challenge too, because here's this side of who you are. And then there's another side that you present and what makes you most comfortable or have you even figured that out yet? That's an excellent question. And I think the, the best way to answer it from me is, you know, we think of, we think of gender as of this binary, right? boy, girl, male, female, but, you know, as we're, as we're progressing and in, in becoming a more developed society, hopefully um, the last four or five years, notwithstanding. Um, <laughs> well, what was wrong with the last four or five years? It was oh, perfect. I don't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> thank God. We're trying really hard not to remember. <laughs> well, not that we're going to go political on this, but we just went there. So sure. that's okay. So. We did. I did. I, that, that's a, that was my fault. That was my fault. Um, so I think gender is more of a spectrum, and, and I don't think that's a very new concept, um, you know, male being on one end, female being on the other, if we're looking at it from that perspective. There's a lot of gray area in there, and I think that's where I feel most comfortable. Mm-hmm. It, but also, um, I'm gender fluid, 
So sometimes I'm, you know, further to one side of the spectrum than the other. I don't, I don't really tend to like the, the boy side of the spectrum too much. Um, so I'm usually in the middle and toward the female side, mm-hmm. despite the, despite the depth of my voice that you're hearing. Does that, does that really screw with your life though? I know that's like, like the loaded question, but does that really screw with how you present in the world then? My, my voice? Well, yeah. Uh, yes. Um, I, okay. I can, this is a, this is a Pandora's box that I'll try to keep really short. <laughs> it's okay. We can be in Pandora's box. So don't be afraid to go in there. Cause that's what this is. This is what this show is all about. We keep going into closets and coming out and opening Pandora's box because that's why we're here. So and all kinds of rabbit holes, right? Yes. Um, so back in the day, I'd say around, you know, I'm, I was in my early twenties and I, there was the term cross-dresser back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, the, back then there was only cross-dresser and trans, uh, transsexual. Right. Right. And, you know, and sometimes people would confuse drag queens in there and that's kind of a different thing, but, but um, <clears throat> I would, when I would go present as female out to the store to run an errand or, you know, to a party, to a, to a bar or whatever, um, I would always try to put my voice in a higher register until it started sounding like I was Michael Jackson trying to imitate Minnie Mouse or something. <laughs> and it just, it, <laughs> so now I've, uh, you know, again, as with, as we're progressing as a society, I just think that some females or female presenting people have deep voices and, and some male presenting people have higher voices. And we're just going to have to, as a society, evolve with that. You know, it's everybody's got to belong. Yes. Well, we would like to, we would like to hope that everybody (laughs) has got to belong, but we know there's a whole, yes, goals. Thank you very much. So we know there's a lot of people who are like, no, you don't belong. You belong on an island or you belong six feet under. So we're going there, but it's interesting (laughs) to, to play in this world, you know, and I can tell you that I have a lot of, well, quite a few. I'm going to not say a lot, but now I'm thinking, yeah, I probably do have a lot of trans friends and people that I've had the beautiful privilege of interviewing on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And even as I've dove into the non-binary, the gender fluid world, I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta like, I gotta turn the camera off. I'm not going to look at Cat because. I know I'm going to call him, him one of these times in the interview, but I also know that they prefer to be called they, them, yep. and maybe every once in a while she, and then off stretch, like I already did, like he's a handsome guy because this is kind of what I visualize, but I can also be very fluid in the way I see things and go, they are a really striking person. Well, first of all, thank you. <laughs> when I start to play with this in my own head, which I've had to do a lot, it becomes simpler and simpler. Mm -hmm. Does it, is it easy out the gate? No. And I I interviewed another gender fluid person. Well, just recently, but even a few weeks ago, and they said, I get it, Rick. It's hard because even I screwed up my pronouns when I started figuring this out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But people that don't, get it so let's just go there (laughs) who don't get it 
it's almost like there's a defensive block wall up like, no, this way it's going to be this way we are. This is what you're supposed to be that, 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 that. And it's not necessarily like, okay, but it's not that simple. Right. So even at a very young age, you were already observing this piece of yourself. Yeah. As early as four years old, I remember dressing up, um, you know, I have two female cousins that are, we're very close in age and we live very close to each other and our, our moms are obviously sisters. Um, well, I guess that wasn't obvious, but um, yeah, we would, we'd go and we'd play dress up. They had a bunch of clothes, grown clothes that I would just go and play with them and it would be fun. And, and, you know, four or five, six, seven, eight years old and, and didn't really think anything of it until probably, I don't know, I'd say around seven or eight or so I started uh, thinking, Ooh, I like this a little bit too much. I probably shouldn't do that. Um, and I forget where, where you were going, where I was going with this. <laughs> well, it's because you knew it early on. And it's like, oh, yeah. I know I, I knew early on, mm-hmm. didn't know what to do with it, but I knew it. Absolutely. So it had to be pretty similar for you yet in a different, in a different way, because let's be real cat. Mm-hmm. everybody's going to go for well but yeah but do you like dick or pussy come on give me a, <laughs> give me a break here let's skip yes. that <laughs> thank you that's a, thank you that's a really great answer that's a very great answer because that's all i don't know it seems that's like all humans can like i don't know they can only relate to that sometimes it's like okay but wow what if we could socialize better Hopefully we're, that's where we're headed. Yeah, I, I just remember being about, um, started feeling like a lot of guilt about it and, and trying to get rid of it and, and shove it away as early as probably, let's see, about third, fourth grade. I realized, oh, this is not something I should be liking and I, I need to do whatever I can to get rid of it. And I, I told absolutely nobody. But was it, this isn't something I should be liking? Like, let's play dress up or this isn't something I should be liking because I'm, I don't know if I'm attracted to boys or to girls or nothing at all. What was the predominant? Oh, I shouldn't be liking this. Um, I, I think, so I think that sort of conflates the sexual orientation issue, which yep. wasn't quite a piece of it until I was probably about seventh grade or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but that part did sort of certainly come in and, and, mess things all up and because you know hormones and craziness and those um, damn hormones yeah and (laughs) non-hetero yeah and maybe we just need to do away with the hormones and then boy what what would this planet look like then could be a whole different ball game no pun intended (laughs) you see i like to have fun on my podcast so But it, it is something that, you know, somebody said, well, didn't you know, didn't you know, didn't you know? I'm like, oh, fuck, yes, I knew, but I didn't know mm-hmm. what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm sorry. And, at seven years old, I didn't know what to do with this. Okay. Right. I remember one day before fourth grade, um, my, I, I grew up an only child with just a single mom. So it was just me and her. And, um, and of course, you had, know, there's those that are listening to that going, well, there's the problem right there. <laughs> and I thought, I thought that was a problem for years. I right. hated it. Um, and uh, she had she had a, a, ba- a bag or a box of clothes that she was giving away, donate or, or something. And she said, hey, do you, you know, do you have anything you want to throw in there? Go ahead and put it in there and I'll take it later on. So she went off to work. And at that time, I, I lived about a block from my school. So in fourth grade, I would just walk to school. So she left. 
I, I was still home for like another maybe 30 minutes. And I looked in that bag just to see if there was you know, anything in there that was, that sure enough, I found this white dress and I put it on and then I went in the bathroom and I put on some of my mom's makeup because she was gone so I could do it, right? And then I just looked at myself and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is, there's something in there that was, that there was this identity, right? It's, it's always when the parents are gone. It's always when the parents are gone. Yes. Trust me. And there was so much, time. there was so much of mine. And I, I've talked to so many LGBTQ, all of that. Like, yeah, when the mom and dad weren't around, everything started to get explored. So, oh yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, putting back the makeup, I was, I was paranoid about like putting something back, you know, a centimeter in the wrong place. Exactly. Yes. Making sure everything was facing the same way. And so she wouldn't, and, you know, <sighs> as, an, as an adult now, I've asked her if she ever, uh, saw anything she's like no I didn't even that never even occurred to me I was like oh my god that's so weird um so yeah and then it you know continued through teenage years with uh then it became like a, a sort of a subject of masturbation which confused things even more because again hormones are crazy yeah and then it was like the finish and it was like oh I've never, I gotta stop doing that I've gotta stop doing this this is gonna make me turn gay or <clears throat> Gonna make me turn transsexual or something. I've got to stop right. this. I've got to stop this. Uh, that doesn't work. No, but I'm curious because I've I've had this conversation a couple of times with different people. Mm-hmm. So in that space, you're having that personal pleasure experience. Mm-hmm. Did it switch from guys to gals in your mind? Or was it like more of I'm having this experience because I envision myself being this version of me and there's a reason i'm going here because i'm going to share my own experience along those lines but i'm curious it was mostly what you just said there the latter mm-hmm. but but the, the the former were also part of it sort right. of like you know weaved in yeah now there was time there was a there was a quite a period of my time that i did the same thing i like okay well oh what if what about these panties what if i put and i'm like oh i kind of like that but then that wasn't quite the fit but then as soon as the international mail catalog started showing up, ironically, somehow in my mailbox as a teen, well, not really as a teen, as a college guy, I'm like, oh, I think I just figured this out. Because you know what? I liked every pair of underwear those guys were wearing. International uh, like, mail is that a catalog with all like men's underwear. underwear? It's all men's underwear. Oh, okay. Like, you know, and I was so shocked because my wife, when I was still getting that when we got married and she's like, Oh, these are interesting. I'm like, and your hubby's buying some of those. And then I'm like, you'd not get, I mean, I was hiding this so bad and like, I can't, but I'm like those pouches. Oh my, those pouches were like everything to me, you know, but there was at times that other interesting space that I would venture into. And I'm like, okay, well, I just flipped from like, oh, let's bang a guy to let's bang a gal. And then I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. You're talking about in, inside your head. Yeah, inside yeah. my head. Yeah. And that sounds like that's part of what was going on for you. It's like Absolutely. not only is the, the sexual orientation piece, but then the personal presentation piece on top of that. Yep. And, you know, I, as I said, I grew up an only child with just a, a single mom. And so um, I always felt like I was inadequate ma- um, masculinically. Is that, is that the word? <laughs> Mascul- yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was always very self conscious. I monitor every move, every word I said when I, from a very young age. Um, 
so ultimately my goal was well you know and we we moved around a lot to different apartments in uh, in a lovely lovely not city called fresno mm. um and my goal was eventually to get married to, to a woman have 10 kids be in one house forever mm. and that was going to be that was my fantasy of happiness and so every time these these new things came up well i should say new things these these things outside the box that yep. seemed to be getting in the way of that goal, that, that dream, that fantasy. I was just, I would, I hated myself for it. Yep. Why did, why do these, these, these thoughts and fantasies keep coming back? Why can't I be just be a regular guy, regular straight guy? Yeah. We, we got to just be a guy. We can't just, yeah. Nah. Oh, I, those thoughts, uh, they were, they wear me out thinking about it right now. The, the toxic, the toxic masculinity that I think most of us grow up with is, is, beyond excessive it's and it's it's not helpful it's unnecessary it's hurtful and it's just shitty Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you know and even just i'm going to take it one step further cap because i feel like there's even just that piece of masculinity and Mm -hmm. sometimes just masculinity as a norm can turn toxic just by being masculine as a norm it's like okay you're a guy okay cool let it go you're a guy whatever that means. Right. <laughs> because, trust me. There's been lots of straight guys I've had this conversation with and suddenly they're like, well, <laughs> as soon as they say, well, I'm like, okay, well, here we go. We're going over the edge and we're going into the, don't talk about this pool, but you know, mm-hmm. it, it's very interesting. But as you were going through that and, and again, there is this interesting space when you either are a child, only child with a single parent, or your child with parents who have just, they have so much shit going on that it's like, they need help, but they're not getting it. So then there's that whole thing that starts to layer. And then you're having your stuff and you're like, where do I need a number to like, can we talk about this? You know? So was your mom, I mean, was she clued in or? No, I didn't tell her until, um, not meaning to do it this day, but it was on mother's day. (laughs) in uh, 2000 i believe it was two mm-hmm. uh and i showed her i told her by showing her a picture of me and uh, my best friend vanessa who's to, to this day my still my best friend um i know people our age probably shouldn't use that word but i do <laughs> it is what it is right <laughs> right and we were both you know as we called it back then dressed up as girls all right and so presenting as females as we call it now and i showed her the picture and i said hey do you recognize this girl? And she, she looked and it, she goes, is that you? And I said, yeah. And she goes, what, what, what? And then I said, yeah, I do this mom. This is something I, I do. And, and that's my friend, Vanessa. And, you know, um, this is something I've always done. And her immediate reaction was, Oh, honey, like, like, no, but later, I mean, within an hour, very short time, she told me she that was you know she apologized and told me she was coming from a place of being concerned about you know weirdos trying to get at this you know sort of sexualized fantasy mm-hmm. you know person thing person thing um, and then you know since since Hi, that, this is my friend Cat they are a person <laughs> thing just gonna put it out there right but yeah but that's how it is but that's how that's how society kind of does this oh well they're just a they're a thing that we don't want to talk about yeah 
because they because they don't know how to have the conversation right I, and i i get that i i struggled on and off through this and and you were so kind before we came on the podcast i'm gonna say okay you're you're kind of like okay with being like even fluid with the pronouns so i want to use sure. this as teaching moments oh yeah because she can present and i've seen the other pictures of you she presents very beautifully thank you but they see themselves mostly as they and yet can dip their toe back in the he world when kind of i don't even want to say necessary when it happens so to speak yeah and that's you know i i I, most of my waking hours i i'm I know that I appear to people as, as male and, you know, that's just the way, just the way it is. Yeah. But if I could, if I could give up a limb for a full head of hair, I would probably live a lot more androgynously or at least toward the more female side of the spectrum. Wigs are too hot and gross. But don't you think Kat, that that's something that's rather interesting. So I think we're not that far off in age. So we kind of, lived through the 80s and early 90s music scene and and on androgyny was like okay that here we are you know prince all it's like okay we're starting to like yeah 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 yeah, exactly and now it's like okay so all you weird kids of the 80s and 90s are suddenly like oh no this doesn't work now i know not all of them are that way but there's a whole lot of those other side people that i'm like really bitches <laughs> you were you were like all over some of this androgyny and now you're like oh no this is so wrong and like i just want to go okay you want to go put on an island you're the ones we're gonna go put on an island somewhere but how hard it must be even today i would assume to like oh, i'm gonna live most of my waking life this way but what i'd really rather do is be this that's got to be it, it does challenge. fuck with my head quite a bit but but not i mean it's always sort of buzzing there mm-hmm. it's not something that it rises to some extreme level where you know i'm going to do something drastic and act out or something crazy uh, it's, if anything it's just more of an annoyance and mm-hmm. i think i'm probably lucky that that's all it is mm-hmm. um but i you know i i work i'm an attorney um and so i uh i had a previous job where I sat down with my bosses when I decided to come out totally on social media. I, I had very, very different uh, Facebook profiles, one for boy me, one for girl me. And you know, I, my wife and I separated and I sort of saw that as the green light to just open it all up to the world. So I sat down with my bosses then and I was like, hey, you know, just kind of staying ahead of it here in case any of our uh, you know, um, stakeholders, members mm-hmm. of the public that we served um, called you and said, you know, that I was doing this thing and, and they misperceived it as something sexual or something, you know, um, perverted. Um, you know, this is, uh, this is me and, and blah, blah, blah. And I, I described myself and, and my immediate boss, she's like, well, yeah, I have a trans daughter. I totally get it. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. And her boss, which was also my boss, um, super liberal, super good, um, progressive guy, um, he, he was like, okay, well help me understand um, how I can be helpful and what do you need from me? Oh, he was just amazing. I had the best boss mojo at that job. Mm-hmm. Um, I do at my job now too. <clears throat> and so, yeah, they said, if you, if you ever want to present this female at work, just, just do it. And I'm like, really? 
like, would you want some sort of like advanced notice? And they're like, no, just come to work. And I'm like, it, they just having that welcome environment, that safe space in a place like work, you know, where things are always so, so serious, especially in lawyer land, right? Yeah. Um, it was just like so liberating. And I've, I now, I've, I've took a promotion with another department. Um, and I, I'm still in touch with my old, my old bosses once in a while, but um, same thing at my new place. It was for the job interview. And I said, uh, they went through all the questions. And they said, do you have any questions for us? I said, yeah, um, how, how, is the, how is the environment for LGBT people um, around here? And of course they were like, you know, we, we have a great EEO program. You know, they, there shouldn't be any sort of, uh, you know, if there's discrimination or harassment, you know, we're on it. Um, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. So COVID happened not long after I, I started in that job. And so most of our meetings, so we, we're all working from home. Most of our meetings are on video. And once in a while, I'll just show up presenting speaking to, to a meeting because mm. I feel like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the most freeing thing in the world. The workplace. There's just something about the workplace where I always thought that shouldn't happen. That should be very separate from there. Now it's like, I get to fucking be me at work. Mm-hmm. At work. <laughs> and that's really an important piece of our life. Because right. if we can't be who we are at work, where we spend a majority of our waking hours. And I get that. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't go down the, you know, transgender or gender non-conforming path, but just like, I'm the married guy. I have the wife. I have the kids. Mm-hmm. I know I'm gay. And I was like, okay, that, you know, until I was in a certain environment where there was a lot of LGBTQ people. In fact, the company I worked for was in Irvine, California. So yes, behind the orange curtain. And, but at that time I didn't, I was not evolved enough in my own like LGBTQ head to even realize that there was an orange curtain until I started speaking on PFLAG panels. I'm like, Oh, wow. Okay. Um, But our company had a huge representation. And so this is like 1996. So this is why this is important wow. what we're talking about. In our support department was Clarissa. And that was the first like truly transgender individual I saw on a daily basis. Huh. And they were just completely welcome, open. She's part of our team. She was one of the best support people we had in that company because we were, were a software company. And she would get on that phone and she could, she could just like charm the socks off at any pissed off customer. They're like, we got somebody on line 10, get Clarissa. How did that that affect you? Did you, did you, were you out at the time? I was not quote unquote out. Okay. Did you have a small circle of people? I did. I did because a majority of the people on my like sales and marketing team, Mm -hmm there were quite a few on the team that were, and I'll never forget, you know, everybody who listens to this podcast knows a lot of the story that, you know, I didn't ever, I was never faithful because I was just trying to like get through life, trying to make myself survive sort of thing. Right. And I'll never forget the first trade show that I felt like, Oh, wow. We're going down here was in Atlanta. It just happened to be, a weekend over Atlanta pride. 
And so a whole bunch of them are like, we're, we're going to go to pride. Do you want to go? And I'm like, let's see, hmm. hang out with the straight sales guys that are going to go to the titty bar or go to pride with the LGBTQ people or sit in my hotel room and be completely bored. I'm going to pride. And good for you. I just, they, they knew my circle kind of knew because I would flirt with some of the gay guys and stuff. And then as things happen in pride, you know, I get pretty cocktailed and they're like, we're going to one of the bars. I'm like, okay. And we get to the bar and I'd had enough to drink, but I'm a big guy. So, you know, I'm, I can drink most people under the table and we walk in and we get to the little, like literal the bar. And I'm, I'm just, I, I think I said something like, oh, to the bartender or not to the bartender, but about the bartender. Right. Are you pretending to be a dog? Well, you know, in our world, wolf means like, okay, I'm turned on by this one. Right. Yeah. And suddenly my whole circle, like, mm. Mm. they did everything in the world to get that boy going home with me. And oh. I was pretty, I was pretty cocktailed by the time we left. So back to the hotel, I go literally. And we were there to almost closing time, <clears throat> literally probably an hour, hour and a half later, somebody's banging on my hotel door and I'm like, I don't need this. I do not need this. I'm cocktailed. Who the hell is pounding on my door? But I was awake enough to go to the door, not awake enough to look through the little circle in the door. I did something that nobody in their right mind should ever do in a hotel room. I just flung the door open. Right. <laughs> whoops. Well, no, it wasn't a whoops. It was like, woof. <laughs> I was a, oh, there okay. he was. And I'm like, Okay, I don't remember giving the room number, but we're here and <laughs> we're queer. And that was like, okay, I guess this is how, and I don't really remember much because I was that cocktail, but mm-hmm. bada bing, bada boom. And I'm like, okay. And that was when I really realized how embracing they were. And it was, so that was June and it was October of that year that at 96. Uh, 96 yep and that october it has something to do with trade shows every time that october i'm in london and um as the story goes i the team went off to go do something i had to go i had to go to an awards ceremony thing that there was only one member of the company that could go and yada. so i get back i'm like okay i'm going to bed and i'm like <laughs> That little, that little pesky voice is like, oh no, bitch, you're not going to bed. You're going, you're going to go out. You're going to, you're going to go out to the gay section of London. And then the rest is history from there. And it was interesting to see myself like wake up to that fact, kind of like what you said, like, wow, I can like be comfortable. And I know there jokingly have been times that my ex-wife said, I just blame that company for everything. I'm like, you know, I'm, don't, I'm like turning you gay yeah no and i know she's joking but now <laughs> she would probably say yeah that's exactly what i meant because she's gone a whole different direction on this whole thing but it's just it's interesting to like navigate and see yourself navigate through that so what's been the most surprising thing other than yeah just show up you know as your as your beautiful you know female self whenever you want to at work what else has been a real surprise for you as you finally embraced you cat like really fully embraced you? I would say that surprised me. Um, what was always a fear before I told anybody was that I, I was just going to get ostracized and be this person wandering alone in the world with no friends and no family and nobody who wanted to be associated with me because I was such a weirdo. 
But, yeah. you know, as, as I started the circle of people that knew and it grew bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, I was, the most surprising thing was how fast it grew, how much support, you know, that I got um, <clears throat> from friends, family, uh, coworkers, um, back in when I was in college and law school, um, fellow students. Um, and uh, I would say probably the most surprising thing is when I, when I finally broke the circle and just, com just completely came out, um, I lost a, a good friend. Uh, he was a Jehovah's Witness. And that not that he, when, when he and I hung out, we always drank and, uh, you know, went to concerts together and right. celebrated birthdays and all the things that Jehovah's Witnesses are not supposed to do. He was just my friend. And yep. so he immediately, um, when I started crossing over, cross-pollinating my Facebook profiles, he, he unfriended me and he said, I can't be associated with that. People in the church could see me and, and they would mm. never forgive me. And that was pretty sad. Um, so I lost him and I lost my dad. Mm. Um, my dad said, uh, this is not something I'm, I accept. I don't understand it. It's some weird California thing. He lives up in Oregon. Uh, and I don't feel like I ever have to accept it. Well, Dad, let's keep Portland weird. Let's just go there then. <laughs> he's he's actually in Tillamook. Uh, oh, okay, well, uh, we, we can't go to Portland two, weird, but still. Yeah, two, hour, two hours maybe uh, west toward the coast from yeah. Portland. But, but it is interesting to see who sticks with you and who doesn't. It uh, You know, it, that's you, that you nailed a very good point. Because, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time who I decided to just completely come out with my gender identity. Um, it was a short-lived relationship. I didn't get much out of it except this one really good piece of wisdom. She said, why don't you let people that you know that are in your life, give them the opportunity to love you as a queer person and you'll see who sticks around and who doesn't. And, and by then my circle was already so big that you know there wasn't really much to lose. Right. And, uh, and I will, it, the relationship was not that memorable, not that exciting or fun, but that was a <laughs> nice you know, life-changing piece of wisdom that you gave me. And, and that, that's what drove me to, to do it. I think what you just shared is something that I've heard probably the most in all the podcasts that I do is the thing you're most afraid of is actually the thing that is the reason you should just do it. Because yeah. whoever is not supposed to be in your life, and not that it's just about the people in your life, but if they're not supposed to be in your life, they're just not supposed to be there. And that's a really hard concept because we've been so driven in our community. So we're going to go straight for the LGBTQ, everything under that umbrella, that if you are who you are, you're going to just be lonely and not loved and not accepted and da, 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 da. I beg to differ. Other than I know there's a lot of people that do go through that simply because they get ostracized. And it's unfortunate because sometimes where you live, you, you do end up alone now in this day and age for the most part i say you can make connections from a distance that doesn't replace the human piece at all sure. but but don't let that prevent you from being who you are right because not being who you are is just as lonely totally totally you're totally right you could have all all the friends and all the people in the world around you and if and you're if you're not your authentic self mm -hmm. it's, it's not it's not worth it my uh I recently I do therapy sort of as a maintenance uh, once a week. Um, I have some pretty bad anxiety issues, um, but also this stuff comes up because it's weaved in so 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 tightly. 
Um, and, you know, my therapist told me recently, she said, you know, you were, I, I was terrified to come out. I was terrified for my, of my dad finding out more than anybody in the world. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is he was 800 miles away in, in Tillamook, Oregon. We were in Fresno. Um, he and I hardly ever talked. I, I put him up on this pedestal from a very young age. Yep. Don't know why. He's a, a shit human, as I found out later in life. Um, <clears throat> but I was always afraid that he would find out and then I would be the disappointment. But once I told him and he rejected me, well, he's the disappointment. All right. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it sounds so easy, you know, but it's, it's a really complex concept that. It's a very complex concept. And it's something that I've seen too many people struggle with myself included. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that brought me around the bend is a fellow coach. No pun intended. Yes, exactly. Cause I like going around that bend, girl. But um, <laughs> one of the things that helped me was when a coach, so I was going through coaching sessions with the fellow coach. We we're doing our mentor coaching, getting our certification and everything. <clears throat> she said, well, what if you just looked at it from this perspective of poor dad? I'm like, what do you mean poor dad? What about poor me? She goes, no. What about poor dad? He just doesn't have the capacity to be anything than the shithead he is. <laughs> of course, I'm like, I like that shithead. But she goes, but I'm going to take the shithead out of it. Just what if he, you just say poor dad, he just doesn't have the capacity to be anything other than who he is. And it was like suddenly kept this like, wait, like, whoa, I've been putting so much emphasis on trying to get him to do this and to accept me and to be this. And, you know, even now that he's still, he's still a shit, he's older shit. That's just the difference at this point, but I've learned to be so much more patient and so much more like, I'm not going to let it get under my skin. And now it's not so much about me being gay or anything. It's about, and I'm not living the way God wants me and other, I'm like, okay, well, you know, dad, I'm sorry. I didn't fuck 40 women. Okay. Maybe I fucked a hundred men. I don't know, but you know, it, there's just this, this interesting thing that when I finally turned that curve, mm-hmm. as I said, curve this time, because I like a bend and I like a curve. So I'm just going to say that. Um, I love it. Um, it helped me come to a peaceful place with myself. And regardless of where you are, I think this is kind of a great space to kind of like come full circle with this whole conversation of when you can be at peace with who you are, like really be at peace with who you are Mm -hmm. and embrace who you are. There's a whole lot less pressure to expect everybody else to embrace who you are. Yes, we want that. But I found the journey is much easier. I just accept me. Okay, cool. If all I got is me, I got me. Not that I want to live my life that way, but man, it makes a huge, huge difference. It does. So if, it makes, go oh, ahead, man. Go ahead. I, uh, I was going to say, I, it, it makes you wonder how, how, um, how much of their own shit they're not dealing with that they're, they've got tucked away. And that's, Oh, if I could high five you right now and hallelujah, <laughs> well, cause that's what it is. You were talking that is, about the, the trade show. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, you went off to Pride, and there's the the straight boys that went off to do, yep, yep, other things, maybe. Um, but <laughs> so I they said. Expected, I expected at some point during the night, y'all to end up in the same hotel room, and <laughs> because oh, you, you got a wicked, you got a wicked imagination. Often, <laughs> it does. It does. You know, and not. We'll tell this one last little story before we wrap up here. But one interesting one. Okay, so. 
my life was a completely different life. I was, you know, high up in the ladder and my, my expense account went to a lot of places that most people go, Hmm, that's interesting. And I remember in New York city, cause one of the big shows we did was always in New York city. So I'm taking the limo and dropping the guys at the, the gentleman's club, of course, okay. we'll call it that. Cause that's what we, you know, the entertainment. Right. And then I'm taking like the others to like, we're going to the gay bar, you know, you know, and suddenly I realized that one of the sales guys had left their wallet in the limo. I'm like, Oh, for God's sake, now I got to go back. And now I got to go inside the entertainment club to find this guy. Right. This was, cause this was like, we had beepers. We didn't have okay. the cell phones at this point. It's right? been the 90s. Yes. It was the nineties. So I get to the gentleman's club and this guy was always one of those. I'm like, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder. And so I walked in and he was already, I mean, okay. Yes. New York city had to go, you know, I don't know, Christopher street back across downtown, all, you know, so getting across New York city, it wasn't like, it was like, Oh, five minutes. And we've done this loop around plus it's a limo. So that's a whole nother like getting around New York city. So it was probably a good 45, 50 minutes before I made the round trip for this whole thing. I walk in, hand him his wallet. And he's like, I, I think I just need to leave. I'm like, with the way you're talking, I agree. And I said, have you been here at the bar since you walked in? And I'm like, 45 minutes. That's not that much. I'm like, he goes, yes, I've been sitting here. I'm like, by yourself? Yes. And so suddenly, of course, my my hidden gaydar, gaydar is like going, hmm, interesting. <laughs> That's and he's, I'm like, well, okay, I'm headed back to the gay area to like, move the crowd from one place to the next you can ride with me or if you want to ride with me there then i'll get you back to the hotel uh sounds good like what you know trying to overhear all this in the bar right so i get him in the limo and first thing that happens i you know and uh, remember i'm not mr out guy yet right so i thought right everybody kind of knew but wasn't telling me about it and as soon as we get in and when the car starts moving, he like slides right over to me and just lays his head on my shoulder and wraps his little arm, like drunk arm around me. I'm like, okay, I realize you're drunk, but this is something going on here. Right. Mm -hmm. So we get to the gay bar and I'm like, okay, I really think I should just take him to the hotel, but I'd rather do this with people in the car. So there's not any misunderstandings along the way. Sure. So of course they all yeah. pile in like, where are we going next? Where are we going? I'm like, okay, you bitches get as bad as the straight guys. Once you've had some drinks in you, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go dump you guys over here. And we get to the, the next bar and I'm like, okay, and I'm going to take him. To, so I'm like talking to the limo driver going, hey, da, da. I, I turn around. He's not there. I'm like, okay, great. I lost somebody in New York city. So, you know, my own nightmare is starting to come alive. Oh no, I didn't lose him. He's marching right in with them. I'm like, okay, hold on. Don't go find somewhere to park. I'll, you know, give me five minutes, swing back around. And, Cause then I had to go pick up the group at the other place and move them around. My job was really stressful. Like keeping track of all these people all over Manhattan. Sounds like it. I march into the bar and he is just all over some guy. I'm like, okay, well, problem solution solved. Here we all are. over as in like all over, like, like sloppy, not like sloppy okay. drunk all over, but also like enjoying being <laughs> all over, like reaching inside the guy's shirt and like, oh, these are flat boobies like this much better than 
probably wasn't his first time feeling no, this. No, it wasn't. So, so we've now explored all of this, but I'm curious for you, Kat, what's one of the greatest joys of being you? And we'll kind of wrap up with that, like being fully you at this space. Not that you're done, but. Right. There's, there's a lot, hopefully there's a lot of life left to live. Um, you know, I think I like that I am um, vulnerable. Mm. Um, because I, I, I've found that when I go out into the world and, and, you know, and I'm and on an airplane or at a football game or at, you know, wherever the, is it with people or, or by myself, um, I can strike up a conversation with, with somebody or they can strike up a conversation with me, uh, and, and we can be like best friends all of a sudden. And I feel like, you know, when I put myself out there and just kind of talk and, and, I'm, and I'm genuine, that's usually what I get back almost always. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a, that's a joyous thing is that, that I, I feel like I can connect with people and I love, I love people, not all people, but most people. Yeah. But connecting with people and connecting with yourself is like the message that I just kind of picked up there and the, yep. you did that really well. You kind of brought us full circle. Now we've gone bend curve circle. So I just want to make sure we're getting <laughs> everything in here, but that's a great way to like, truly like. Hey, when you are can be that with yourself and then be that with others, I hate to say that's when you really have started to like you've arrived, not you're not finished, but it's right. such a big step in the journey. It is, it's huge. It's almost like a you know, our, our society that we don't have rites of passage, right? It's kind of a rite of passage. Yeah, this has been a great conversation. I agree. I love Thanks speaking with you and and just this honesty and and truth that's come forth. And you know, we're in November. Transgender Remembrance Day is coming forward. I think these yeah. kind of conversations help all of us remember that people are people and we all come from different spaces in our world. And, you know, yeah, I'm a gay guy, but there's another side of me that's like, I'm not just gay, I'm a dad, I'm all these other things. And this just happens to be a piece of who I am. And I'm glad you shared your piece of who you are as a he, they, she, because I think it's really important to let people see that part and truly be who you are. So yeah. thank, you, thank you. Thank you so much thank for you. being part of this conversation. And yeah. uh, maybe we'll do it again as you continue. So, Sounds great. Awesome. We'll be in touch. And thanks everybody for listening. And we'll be back in just another week or so with another episode of Life Uncloseted. Take care and never stop facing your fears and living your unapologetic life. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change a life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.